welcome to another episode of My Climate Diet, the podcast where I'm shedding the pounds of greenhouse gas emissions. I'm Lisa Pettibone, and I've lost so much on my climate diet that I'm going on a media diet. Today, I want to talk about climate change and the media. This is something I've been thinking about for a while, and I want to do just more than ruminate. So here goes. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that climate change is real, humans are causing it, and the window of time to make drastic changes to all aspects of society and the economy is closing fast. The signs are all around us, and they're blinking red. Last week, The Guardian reported on the new report from the International Energy Agency, which warned that we only have six months to turn the ship around. Basically, the way that politicians pay for the recovery from the coronavirus will have far-reaching effects and could lock in emissions that will prevent us from reaching our one and a half degree target. So far, about $550 billion has been earmarked for polluting industries with no strings attached, while only $12 billion has been allocated to low-carbon industries. Climate journalists Amy Westervelt, Mary Hagler, and Emily Atkin are yelling at increasing pitch about all the ways that fossil fuel companies, the most profitable industry in the history of humanity and the largest single contributor to climate change, are trying to get handouts from these bailouts They're focusing on the United States, but this is happening throughout the world. On the Earth system's end, Ben C., a climate scientist and communicator, has been tweeting like crazy about disappearing Arctic sea ice and the heat wave in Siberia, pointing out that we may have less time than even the experts think. This is all important stuff to know and stay on top of. Now let's get to what else is happening around the world. If you read the Washington Post, like I do, some of the past week's top stories were a fresh wave of coronavirus in the United States, the turnout of Trump's Oklahoma rally, and how the U.S. Justice Department is trying to shield Trump allies from prosecution. If, like my husband, you are partial to Helda Steine, a YouTuber who talks about Lego, then you've seen the new catalog and him build a pirate ship set. If you have a Netflix account in Germany, you may have watched the top shows of the past week, which include Dark, Modern Family, and a new reality show, Floor is Lava. You could spend your entire day consuming media content and not hear a peep about climate change. And that's not even starting with the reams of climate denial resources available on and offline. For my part, I try to stay apprised of the climate conversation. I subscribe to several climate newsletters and podcasts. I follow numerous writers, thinkers, and organizations on Twitter, and I regularly check in on writers and news sources I trust. I also read a lot of climate fiction and nonfiction, and I watch relevant films, mostly documentaries, when I can. If I were to quantify all of this, I'd say I spend at least five to 10 hours a week consuming media relevant to climate change. But I have limited bandwidth, like we all do. In addition to the time I spend keeping up with climate change and action, 
I probably spend another 10 to 20 hours on unrelated news. Things like hating on Trump, but also important issues like Supreme Court rulings, coronavirus updates, and analysis of police reform efforts. But what would it look like if I cut out some of the silly stuff? Would I have more capacity to really dig into what's important? I want to see. So for the next month, I'm challenging myself to consume less media overall and to be more mindful in curating the media that I do consume. That means thinking more about what stories, individuals, and forms of media matter and trying to spend less time with those that don't. Specifically, I'm doing three things. First, and this has already shocked my parents, I'm canceling my Netflix account for the next year and I will not watch any paid streaming service. I can still buy or rent individual shows or films as well as avail myself of my husband's massive DVD and Blu-ray collection. But without Netflix, I'll save myself some boredom watching where I watch what's available through Netflix's curation rather than seeking out what I would really rather watch. The DC Environmental Film Festival has turned me on to dozens of fascinating films about environmental topics, and I'd like to watch more of them, for example. I also want to read more in the evenings. In terms of news, I want to read far fewer news-of-the-moment stories, particularly Trump content, and far more longer and more analytic pieces about larger trends, context, and potential action. I spend a lot of time reading about the latest Trump outrage in the Washington Post, and this is even though I know that you could publish the same article from two or three years ago with just a few details switched out. Trump said something racist. Trump wants to end a policy that helps millions. Trump and his family are enriching themselves financially. The Republican Party again chooses to aid and abet Trump rather than to criticize or or rein him in. And the classic, a new tell-all book is coming out that says Trump is incurious, unhinged, wrathful, narcissistic, dangerous. Well, now we're caught up on 90% of the news about the Trump presidency that will be printed this year. Instead of reading the latest version of this news, I'm going to seek out one or two climate stories each day and really read them. It took me a week to get to the Guardian piece after reading the headline. In that time, I must have read half a dozen articles about Trump's Oklahoma rally alone. That's just dumb. Finally, I'm going to seek out new sources to play a larger role in my media diet. And this I wanna think of as finding better curators for my media consumption. I think the Washington Post has a lot of really good articles and analysis on lots of interesting topics. Unfortunately, their climate news is a joke. So I need to find better curators for my climate media diet. I signed up for a two-week trial of Perspective Daily, a solution-oriented news site that only publishes one article per day. In the past three days, it's released articles on the German language site about a proposal to increase diversity in the Bundestag, international climate justice, coronavirus in Yemen, and the new insect atlas and what it says about biodiversity loss in Germany. This is already very targeted stuff. And because they publish a lot fewer articles in general, 
it's easier to stay informed without spending a lot of time wading through silly stuff. Why is this so important? Well, we're running out of time to address climate change. But ignoring climate change as a news issue makes it feel less urgent. So I hope that by reading more about climate change and staying informed on relevant current issues and events, like green recovery after the coronavirus, that I can be part of the solution. Even if that's only by being able to talk more knowledgeably about what that means and by spreading climate news within my networks. Next time, I'll check in on my prospective daily experiment, since that's two weeks, and decide whether to stick with them. There are a lot of news sources out there that I enjoy and respect, but haven't yet supported financially. Here, a particular shout out to The Guardian, as well as Hot Take and Heat It. So hopefully in starting to be more mindful of my news diet, I can find one or two of these to subscribe to as well. I'll keep you posted. And in the meantime, if you have any tips for my media diet, I would love to hear them at lisa at myclimatediet.org or on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. What's giving me hope this week? I've been working on a short story about species extinction. And one thing that's gotten me stuck on this story is a species of tall flowering grass. This is going to sound very random, but the story is about bringing back endangered species through the act of conjuring them into a storybook. And I have been using endangered species that are on the brink of extinction to imagine that they do become extinct in a very near future. But it's been hard to find an interesting, visually striking species of flowering grass that is endangered. So I was very happy this past week when I came across an article in The Revelator about a tall flowering grass in Appalachia that was thought to be extinct, but recently found by Wesley Knapp, the Indiana Jones of botany. The lost plant is called Martiala grandiflora, and it grew in two western North Carolina counties in the 18 and 1900s, and it hasn't been seen for a hundred years. So this little piece of serendipity totally made my day because it felt like an odd, magical moment for me somehow. And it gave me some hope. This podcast is a labor of love. And you can show me you care by telling me why you listen at lisa at myclimatediet.org. Thanks to David from Kvents for letting me use his wonderful music. And if you want to stay up to date, follow me on Twitter at Lisa Pettibone. And don't forget to rate My Climate Diet on Apple Podcasts. That makes it easier for other people to find me and start their own climate diet. Because if everyone went on a climate diet, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Oh,